I think I'm using the right word there. Autonomy. Autonomy bots, roll out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's going at the start. Hello, you're listening to the Relics of War podcast, the podcast about Guild Wars, Guild Wars 2, and the Guild Wars community. My name is Ryan, I'll be your host, some of you might know me as Cole. With me here today is Chaz from America's Hat. Hey guys. And also Tiger from the Secret Agent Cap blog. Hello. And uh, I almost said that Chaz was from Canada's Hat, now that would have been an odd thing to say. That would have been an odd thing to say. What exactly geographically is Canada's Hat? I don't think You don't really has have one. a hat. I would yeah. say the roof of the world, if anything. They've got, like, water on their head. Maybe. You like cold water. Anyway, this is a dumb thing to talk about. As far as the as far as the guild this week goes, we've grown quite a bit. After the last episode, that night, I got contacted by seven people and four people joined up. So, for anybody that's interested in the guild, we're firing away. We're growing fast. And uh, so, if you want to contact me, that's Relics of War in-game. Another thing we plan to do with the guild here pretty soon is another elite mission. I think we're all pretty stoked about that. I'm not. Okay. Well, anyway. I am, actually. Um, Should be a lot of fun. Did anything happen with you guys this week? In-game, um, anything fancy? Uh, I learned how to play an illusionary weapon mesmer. And it's my new favorite thing in the entire world. Yeah, you are going on a lot about that. How does that work? Uh, you use illusionary weaponry, which causes you to do no damage with your weapon. But you do, I think with my build, I do 37 damage with each swing. And then I've got two clumsiness skills that interrupt and cause knockdown. And I've got frenzy because my mesmer isn't very far in the other campaigns yet. It's basically attack faster. And what illusionary weaponry also does is it gives you extra armor for every illusion skill on your bar. I think that's new, actually, with the mesmer revamp. Because after I started using that build, I went and looked up um, the history of it on like PVX Wiki and whatnot, and I guess it used to be just a PvP build, but it fell out of favor a couple years ago, and almost nobody uses it anymore. But I found it works really well for PVE. And you got that from the Texas Chicken, didn't you? I did. He also was kind enough to help me set up some weapons and like a sword and a shield for everything. You want 20% increased enchantment time. And really the only problem I found so far with the build is enemies that strip enchantments because it's completely based around yourself being enchanted with illusionary weaponry. So you're a dervish, basically. I guess. Yeah. That would kind of couple well with the new build that I've been going on about a lot that I started a couple nights ago. And Chaz was the one who brought it to my attention and I ripped it off the PBX wiki, um, what they consider to be great, which is the Ether Renewal Elementalist Healer. And that crap is crazy because it's a build that heals really well as long as you spam your butt off which is unlike every other healing build out there you know it's like only heal when it's necessary this one's like don't matter if it's necessary or not keep it going because (laughs) yeah otherwise you run out of energy it's really really crazy that is really interesting what it does is um you uh let's see you put life attunement on yourself and then protective bond on yourself and then protective bond on like two other people preferably melee or somebody that's going to be getting hit a lot, you know. And, and that's basically a really, really strong protective spirit. Then you throw on Ether Renewal and, uh, like, Aura of Restoration or whatever. And once Ether Renewal is on you, every time you cast anything, you basically gain energy for doing that. But you also lose energy every time someone with Protective Bond gets hit. So you have to be spamming other spells fast enough to recoup the energy 
that you are losing from people getting hit. And so uh, another thing that they've thrown in there that's pretty awesome is the Great Dwarf weapon. If you have a dervish in your group or somebody with a hundred blades or something like that, or an illusionary weapon mesmer. Not even an like, illusionary weapon mesmer won't work, actually. Oh, because it's not a real connect. weapon. It doesn't actually connect. Yeah, yep. that's right. Okay. Well, that sucks. Anyway, um, <laughs> what it does is the Great Dwarf weapon causes your melee to knock people down so much. That's basically a protective ability. And it's crazy because, it, I mean, I was just doing it last night in normal mode, but everything that my dervish and warrior heroes were attacking was always just down on the ground. Not doing anything. It's pretty pro. That that's a huge help. Yeah. Knockdown is awesome. Oh yeah. So it almost plays like a crazy um, bonder, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But it's future of bonding. It's, yeah, I guess that's exactly it. Except for the only thing you're doing to really keep your energy up instead of blessed signet is making sure ether renewal gets up as soon as you can get it back. Mm-hmm. And other than that, I mean, I use shield guardian the most and I just throw that on somebody who's probably going to take some damage because that causes kind of an AoE heal. It's actually more protection prayers based but then there's also infused health in the build in case someone really needs a heal and you can just throw off the infused health like crazy because that the renewal heals you up the moment you cast it so it like heals you up and then sends it out again so you're just sitting there spiking the crap out of people's health bars with infused health. Pretty sweet. There's also a few things that have been happening with uh, me in the Guild Wars department this week actually. One of my friends actually came back to the game, and he was used to be my guild lead. Uh, he ran a guild called Fear, and yeah, like I said, he came back, and he was. And I told him about the podcast, and he was like really excited about this. And so he started. Uh, he download. He got Fraps, downloaded Skype, and he, me, and another guy are basically just having a uh, recorded walkthrough and you know a banter session with several dungeons each night. So it's pretty fun like that. You guys planning on posting those somewhere? Like YouTube or something? Yeah, probably. That'll be pretty he cool. Has to, yeah, he has to edit them. And I'm going to tell you this right now, most of it, it's it's banter between three guys, so it's not safe for work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our code names, if you do find it on YouTube, are He-Man, Shira, and Skeletor. I love, um, love running fraps. Uh, I've started kind of... I don't want to call it a video podcast, but I am going to be posting on the forums a lot, like little builds, just demonstrations. And I know that there are a lot of demonstrations of builds on YouTube already, but this is just kind of something that we have on our site that's not going to be subject to, you know, some random person finally decided to delete their video, and you're like, well, crap, we've lost that yeah. build video. So the only thing I've got so far is the Savannah Heat Echo build for Elementalists, which is decent in normal mode. Captain, what be that over there? Or let be sequel scuttlebutt. Uh, let's talk about uh, Guild Wars 2. Get structure in this show. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Moas. Right. Terror bird. I don't know enough about Moas, so tell us, Mo- Moa, about Moas. Well, I absolutely fell in love with Moas during the, um, right, right around when Guild Wars re- was released and I was playing my Ranger. I tamed a Moa and had it running up and my husband was a warrior and he would just complain to me all the time about how obnoxious that moa was because it was all he could hear when he was playing was squawk squawk squawking in his ear it sounds like the gacky <laughs> summon pet mm-hmm. yes <laughs> i love that freaking thing so much wait what does the gacky do i never actually play with my sound on <laughs> yeah oh. <laughs> 
The way he sounds is so hilarious. I would love to have like 15 of those summoning stones. That's another reason I want to go back awesome. to Urgaz is just to get another one of those. Yeah, I was so excited when I saw that Moas would be a support pet. And their big thing was their squawks and how useful their squawks were going to be. And I just I just thought back to when I first started Guild Wars and my husband was complaining about the Moa. And now if I want to, I can bring one and there's nothing he can say about it because it's actually being useful now. I really need to look up those screenshots. You guys were talking about it a lot. What was the difference between the old Moas and the new one? Uh, the old one looks kind of like an anorexic flamingo, and the new one looks like a prehistoric terror bird. Uh, oh, speaking of speaking of rangers, I also got to point out that in, in the Q&A that they had about rangers since last week, they did confirm that rangers are confer- I'm sorry, are uh, balanced around having a pet. So, for any, for, you know, Tasha was bringing up, what if you want to be a ranged melee but don't really want to want to be a pet class? Well, you're, you're going to probably be looking at another profession if we have one. That Suck will. it up. Yeah. Roll a warrior. Basically. I'm sorry, all you petless rangers. I, I, I can't say that I'm sad about it because I always wished that the pets were a more integral part of the rangers in the original Guild Wars. But I, I can understand how you're disappointed. I would apologize if I cared about rangers. I'm having a Loudon moment. I don't I don't hate them like he does, but eh, it's eh. If Guild Wars were to re- Guild Wars 2 were to release right this instant with everything we've seen, I would probably be playing a ranger. I mean, really? they're not I'd probably yeah. be playing StarCraft 2. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that. I know, I know, I know. That, that that's a joke. I'm just joking about the fact <laughs> that about the things we've seen right now it's not all that much. They've right. been uh, they've been keeping things on the down low for sure for some time and they're just slowly releasing their information as they deem it necessary and it's just to, it's just to create hype and you know it's it's working it's definitely working oh yeah look at us we're right here talking about it recording it and distributing it in itunes and people are commenting on it which we'll get to later but also waypoints i know we're like scattered all over this is my show notes for you um we haven't talked about waypoints on the show yet so we probably want to discuss what those are what are waypoints Basically, they are the Guild Wars 2 answer to outposts. Yeah. Oh. They are the child of a res shrine and an outpost, is what I gathered from everything that's been released. Yeah. When you die, you can choose, or when you are defeated, there's no death anymore. When you're defeated, you can choose to come back at a waypoint. Okay. And, and if you want to just travel across the continent, I assume. I wonder if it's going to just be pull up a map, click this waypoint, and say, that's where I'm going. I believe it I is. I hope you can travel through way, by waypoint because one of the big strengths of Guild Wars was the fact you didn't have to do all that busy work to get from one area to another. Yes, that you actually will be able to travel by waypoint. It'll just cost money. Okay. And when you're defeated, you can pick any waypoint, and it'll cost the same as if you were just choosing to travel that way anyway. Hmm. And they kind of justify this lore-wise through Asuran uh, portals, or what are the Asuran portals? The Asura gates are going to be connecting the different cities. And I think what they said was that you can use the waypoints to travel to places you've already been, and the portals will be able to take you to places you haven't been yet. Like, if you rolled a char, and your best friend is a Silvari, and you really want to play together, but you don't want to run across the entire map to get together, you can hop a gate between the different cities and go hang out. Okay. Nice. So that is how the traveling in Guild Wars 2 will work out. Um, speaking of zones and all that, I, I saw one post on the Guild Wars 2 guru forums, and it all got straightened out there, but I want to make it clear on the show, too, that 
There's some confusion. Confusion. Sometimes arena. I was gonna say there's some contusions. I got some contusions here. There's some confusion about um the word zones. When you speak of a zone in a video game, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a a section of the game that in order to leave you're gonna have to have a load screen or something. Um, when I used to do maps for some other video games, FPS games and stuff, you would still have to set up a zone so that it would kind of tell the computer, this is the priority of what you're going to render around me. As I come closer to the neighboring zone, you'll also want to start pulling in the, the planes and the, the faces and polys of the stuff in there. But as you crossed over, nothing really happened except for the rendering changed a little bit. That's oh. exciting. I was really hoping <laughs> there would not be load screens in between the different zones. All right, everybody, so what we have with us here right now is, did I just say what we have with us? Who we have with us here right now is John Vinson from the GuildWars2Forum.com website. What's happening, dude? Oh, uh, nothing much. Uh, been working on the website, trying to get it out there. Um, it's been uh, been fun so far. Yeah, I think the hype will, I think the traffic to all these websites that we're all building will really increase a lot as Guild Wars 2's, you know, portfolio increases. Yeah. yeah, especially once we see some gameplay video, I think that's when it's really going to take off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how far away is Gamescom now? It's pretty August, close, isn't it? It's middle of August. I don't know the exact date, but it's it's coming up. It's like about two or three then. weeks. Yeah. But uh, we were just talking just now about the difference between zones and uh, what what would you call like the difference between two? See, a lot of people are concerned that as you move between these zones that ArenaNet is talking about, that they're going to have a loading screen, so you're walking from one city to the next, just walking, not mapping or anything like that. And the thing, there's going to be this load screen like there was in Guild Wars, and there will be a whole new set of people nearby. My understanding of zones is just that you're going to cross over into what the game considers to be the next zone. You don't really see anything happening other than right. your renderings might change a little bit as you cross. Um, well, the way I would, when they first announced it, uh, immediately what I thought of was World of Warcraft, um, and the way they handle it, in that, you know, you're just traveling, and then when you enter a new area, you know, maybe the setting will change, or, like, they have certain, um, landscapes for certain zones, and that that will change, but I don't, you know, from what they've said so far, I don't think we'll have to worry about load screens or anything like that. Yeah, they they want it to be a persistent world, and like you, right. I also envisioned World of Warcraft. You're running through the Barrens, and all of a sudden it says Thousand Needles right in front of you, but nothing actually changed on your screen. You saw this whole thing coming. It feels persistent, but you actually did cross zones in WoW when you do that. Yeah, and and you know I like to think that if if Blizzard can do it, you know ArenaNet can do it just <laughs> as well. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think so what I, most people are worried about is. The difference between persistence and seamlessness. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who only really have experience with Guild Wars, and they can't, they might have trouble imagining that, yes, it's persistent, but you still have to cross some kind of a loading barrier between. But I I think John's right that if if Blizzard can do it, I'm sure ArenaNet can. Yeah. The only thing that worries me is keeping up with all this persistence and. A lar- like a continually large world, how are they going to be able to keep up with the maintenance costs without providing a monthly fee? Because to me... That's it's true. I always thought that that's how they got away with it in the original Guild Wars, is that maintenance wasn't nearly as high when you instanced everything. So that there wasn't any, um, you know, as much bandwidth um, 
they weren't taking up as much bandwidth doing the instance, but when you're keeping it persistent, I just imagine that your server is in continual overload all the time. So that that'd be my only concern with it is how they're going to be able to maintain. That is a good point that you asked that, and that's if we could get some. I mean, how do you ask a company to answer that though? It's come in here and tell us your financial oh. secrets and business <laughs> yeah. model. Maybe I this mean, is that's... a secret they've gotten. They're like, we don't want anyone else to do what we're planning on doing because you I mean, know trying to get interviews set up. Um, and uh, I forget her full name, but it's Regina, the community manager. She's really good about answering her uh, Twitter and everything. So oh, yeah. that's that's yeah. one way that you can go about it. Um, they're really good about keeping in touch with their community. So that's what I've just been sending emails um, asking about certain um, uh, aspects of the game that they can answer questions about. And they've been really good about saying, you know, we don't really want to uh, provide that information yet. Because, you know, they're, it's one of those things where they're just wanting to, like, unleash chunks of information at a time on a weekly basis. You know, they can't announce everything. So, but they've been really good about keeping in contact, especially with my site, which is really new. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to build that base. The base isn't there yet, but I'm trying to build it. So, you know, you got all these other websites that kind of get priority. So that's, that's, that's tough too, trying to get in there. Oh yeah. I, I tried to ask that same question. I had actually a huge interview that I sent to Regina. I think her last name was Winobra. I'm sorry. If yeah. I'm... I, I don't know how to pronounce it. So yeah, <laughs> I, I might be totally to... over Spanish. See, I speak Spanish moderately as a secondary language. So sometimes when I say stuff like that, people are like, you, why boy, who do you think you are? <laughs> that that is something I've noticed is when your site is new, you do have to fight a little bit more. And uh, I think I may have actually pissed Regina off because I was like, for about a week there, I, I didn't hear anything. Actually, almost two weeks, I didn't hear anything back from him. So I sent her this email. Hey, have I done anything to piss you off? No, just I'm busy, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because how I got that interview, the one that uh, you, you saw with uh, Joe Knight, is I found him on Twitter. And I was like, oh, he's an arena employee. So I was like, emailed him up, and I was like, who are you? What do you do? Can I ask you something? And he was like, he was really cool about it. You know, he he was just like, yeah, I'm a part of the live uh, live team, and I work with the team crew uh, for original Guild Wars. So I was like, oh, that'd be great. You know, if I could send you some questions your way. He's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. He was really excited about it. And uh, and I guess what he has to do is, is I send him the questions, and he has to get with the community uh, team about it. But you know, I was so desperate. I was just like, I'm an internet employee. Like, la la la. Tell me this, this, and this. Uh, so, so a lot of times, that, that's that's how I had to get my first interview. Is I had to weasel my way in. So. <laughs> yeah, I've actually I've asked for an interview with Joe Hostel before, and I kind of wonder if he has if he's heard of it, and if he has, he's like, come on, come on, give me an answer. Either that is, like, I don't want to talk to those nub cakes. Just just ignore it. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it he was really cool about it. Like, and it was pretty interesting actually. At first, I was like, ah, he's, you know, he's the lead of the tester, but. The questions, I'm, you know, it's it's really cool. I think how ArenaNet is really stuck with the original game and is keeping uh, support with it up even as they're building Guild Wars 2. Because most games, I, a lot of times it's like smoke. They blow smoke up your butt, yeah. um, and they don't really keep up with the, their first game at all. But I think ArenaNet, you know, they've done a good job. The War and Crida, I think they've done a good job with that um that content. So, yeah, I was very uh, impressed I, with War and Crida. Yeah, yeah. and. And after talking to him, I was I was definitely impressed with uh, the dedication that ArenaNet has been keeping up with the game for sure. Yeah, from what I read in that interview, it sounds like they have quite a number of people still on what they call the live team, where um, those are the guys that just stay. They hang back in Guild Wars, and he even said if he wants to work on Guild Wars 2, he kind of has to stay and give overtime, which I can tell you from his Twitter posts, he does. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he 
he guess he said he uh, the guy he roommates with works on the Guild Wars too, so I guess they kind of go back and forth and um, give notes and compare and give ideas. So you know, I, I, I think that's cool, and that again that just shows dedication that if your employees are staying afterwards like on their own time to work on the game or just even play the game, you know, like that is an early sign of good quality. It shows that they're also giving their their workers some autonomy, which I can tell you, when you give workers who have cognitive processes in their job, if you give them autonomy, that's better than a raise. You will get <laughs> more production and more interest out of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think I'm using the right word there, autonomy. Autonomy bots, roll out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's going at the start. <laughs> possibly, possibly. What did you guys think of the fashion of Guild Wars 2? It's fantastic. I'm excited. It's kind of cool how they're moving off from a, a more medieval setting to a more 17th century setting. I think it's fitting, and I think it'll work out pretty well with uh, the world because you'll keep some, you know, you'll keep like your uh, plate armor warriors, you'll keep your magic types, but then you'll also have like the aristocrats, you know, those buttoned-up vests. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of steampunk genre and the like to the. 17th century London styles and whatnot. So I'm really excited about the little corsets and the overcoats and the sashes. I'm noticing those sashes everywhere now in the in the screenshots, and I think they're pretty neat. I wonder how they're going to look on a char. <laughs> char don't need sashes. <laughs> char no, that's need the guns. Charzuka. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that's going to be interesting is how are they going to make the distinctive styles between the races? Because um, I guess I'm re- looking up the interview uh, that they did with Kristen Perry. I guess she was like, she overlooked the entire aspect of the, the fashion world. I think that's kind of cool that someone actually has a job at Arena Net just doing the fashion, you know, for the game. I think that's kind of funny and cool all rolled into one. But so far what they've shown is just the human fashion, you know, like what, how are the Asura going to look different than what they wear from the humans and the Silvari and the Norn. So I'm kind of interested to see how the other uh, races are going to look. Yeah, hopefully we don't have one race who, when they wear a pair of shoes, their feet bust out of it and it like <laughs> rips the shoe apart. You got that in WoW a lot some, where a cow guy... Some would... Hulk action. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was silly. It'd be pretty Firstly, sweet if they had different armor per race. Firstly, I hope that they make it so that some armor, well, like just the cosmetic ones, I guess, for gameplay reasons, but uh, some of the armor and and uh, clothing they wear, it's like uh, race specific, or like maybe if if it's too small, then like maybe a Norn or a Char just can't wear it at all. Sam, I'm actually hoping for the opposite. Um, I know that there's a lot of people who really would not like to see, for example, a Char wearing a Silvari vine costume. But I know there's, I know there's also oh, I'm cool with that. <laughs> people who think that would be really neat, a really neat thing to do. And I'm never a fan of denying someone the ability to do something just because you don't think it's, it's good or it fits. Picture this. Be considered cross-dressing in uh, Guild Wars. <laughs> Look at Picture me. this. I'm wearing a stamen. <laughs> Picture this. A char male in a corset. <laughs> think about See, it. I mean, do you want to give them the? Do you want to give them the option to do that? It's well, a you, sin against nature. if you screenshot it, you can make a great LOL cat uh, image with it. I'm yeah. Sure. yeah. I'm kind of, oh. I'm kind of with her. Give if people want to cross dress, you know, it's it's the right in the in the world of Guild Wars too. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, in the end, most of the gameplay is going to be centered around combat and exploration. So I don't think I think the only time we'll actually have to you know worry about that is like during the downtime periods of the game where you're like selling stuff. Yeah. So you're like, I can't wait to get out of town. These people are freaks. I feel like I'm at Walmart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, welcome to Speculators Corner. Uh, let's do a little speculation for today's specula- Speculators Corner. Speculator. Uh, do you hope for an in-game voice client, or is that a crappy idea? Crappy idea. Other other programs do that so much more effectively, and if Guild Wars crashes, then the voice client doesn't crash. Yeah, that's true. Once the game crashes, you can just hit your push to talk. Sorry, I crashed. Be right back. Yeah, yeah. I didn't actually think about that. I know that, uh, like, for Blizzard tried to throw an in-game voice client in WoW. That was laughable at best. Well, I DDO actually tested did it. First. It was... Oh, I tested okay. it actually. It was terrible. It was oh, like absolutely. Uh, it was there was nothing. There was no reason why you shouldn't just buy a free Teamspeak server and then just talk on there. Yeah, but then again, like if you're on Steam and you play Left 4 Dead or something, that's a pretty decent in-game voice client still, though. Oh yeah. Uh, for example, the microphone that I use to podcast, I can't use it to talk on these Steam voice any any Steam game. I can't talk on the voice clients that they have with this mic, and I think it's because it's USB or something. So that's what's nice about like Ventrilo. Either mic that I have works, the onboard or the podcasting one. So um, I, I agree with you. I think it's kind of wasted development hours, wasted time. Let's people use Vent. It's, we're already doing it anyway. Yeah. What are your hopes for Guild Wars 2's guild system? It's better than Guild Wars 1. Guild Bank. <laughs> I would of- love to have a Guild Bank in a vault. Yes, I agree with that. And a, yeah. a really heavy permission system for it, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because the the guild that I'm building right now is going to migrate to Guild Wars 2 once it comes out. And if it gets too big, I'm really going to need like some help with that. <laughs> some, something I would like to see um, is, and they've never done this for in any MMO that I know of, and I've always thought it would be a good idea, is to have uh, content in the game that can only be accessed like through a guild. So it's like special content. Like I don't, I can't really provide a good example, but like, uh, let's say an instance that you had, like, for some reason, only your guild can go in and um, access it, and you get special items for it. You know, it, it encourages PVE within within your guild. Um, because to me, I've never in the first Guild Wars, you know, when I was in, in in some of the hardcore guilds, that's all it was was PVP. There was no, you know, getting together and tackling missions ever. You know, and I think that sh- I think that needs to be encouraged more in the second game is um guild PvE. Or pve basically yeah 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 because that's definitely one of the selling points uh, i think what happened was that with guild wars one um it was really pvp oriented like they they designed uh the pve game as a stepping stone to pvp but then they realized like pretty much around the same time when they started developing eye of the north that PVE was actually a really profitable business uh, decision if they decided to design around it. And that's how Eye of the North was created, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Never mind the fact that they wanted to make you know, a way to migrate to Guild Wars 2. And I always thought it was funny because as much as they always like kind of put PvP and GVG in the forefront, I always thought Guild Wars did a great job of designing their PvE based on that mission system. Uh, and they were able to do things that no other like MMO-based game ever tried before. You know, having a story, having a defined storyline that begins and ends. You know, I always appreciated that, but the problem being is that it was never based around teamwork within your guild because you were so mm-hmm. busy trying to move up that ladder 
doing i mean i always tell this story to people is um i was in this hardcore guild that we were in the top 50 this was around when the game first came out and we got into a match with uh, this korean guild and it lasted i'm not joking four and a half hours nice and that's to and when you got to the end game and you got to the guild content that seemed to be what the game became about all the time was moving up that ladder and pve just kind of fell behind where when it shouldn't have because they did such a good job with the content so that's that's my hope is that they improve upon the importance a little bit more in the, in the second game yeah that, i don't know about uh i don't know about uh, making it guild exclusive because i know a lot of people um they play games but they're not you know it's not that they're not people persons it's just that they don't like being associated with like big guilds and whatnot and just having the option to like run a pickup group and do the same content that guilds do, that guilds do. Maybe not as successfully, maybe not as quickly, maybe not as efficiently. But they'd still be able to experience that content. For a long yeah. time, wasn't the Deep and Urgaz's Warren weren't they both only really easily accessible to the guilds that actually owned that outpost? When the scrolls for accessing it were ex- more expensive, but yeah, yeah. So yeah. Th- there was kind of something like that, but those scrolls, I mean, it still wasn't that bad to make them. It was definitely one. not. If you if you were if you were like really new to the game, then you know you would say, "Whoa, that's pretty daunting." But I mean, at that point, you're probably not ready for Urgaz or the Deep just yet. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I'd like to ask you guys about Guild Wars 2 is, what do you think of damage meters and ways to track what has happened in the combat log? I guess for Guild Wars 2, do you want to see that or do you not? In PvP, I wouldn't mind that. Um, I've noticed in a lot of RTS games, they're really starting to develop their. Uh, their post their post game uh, battlefield score and see what actions each person each the uh, each person did that's really cool because it lets you see what the masters are actually doing in observer mode in guild wars one um you, all you can really do is concentrate on one character and if you want to see i mean when you look at their replays you only have to go all the way back to the start you can't rewind or fast forward to key points during the battle, you have to replay it again and again and into another character's um, point of view and see what skills they use and how they use them and all that. And I think just introducing um, a post-game, a post-game, I don't know, like summary would go a long ways to like you know kind of increasing the general knowledge of players and their skill and the skills that they use and whatnot. Your wife and I were actually talking about how we would like to have a damage meter in Guild Wars Classic to see how we were doing. Mm-hmm. And I myself like to, like when I'm doing damage, I like to see how I'm doing. But I also recognize that there's some nasty things having something like that in a game can do to the community as far as elitism and just people being nasty to each other go. So I'm not entirely certain that the benefit of being able to tell how you're doing would outweigh what it would do to the community. Honestly, nasty people will be nasty people. Haters are going to hate. And <laughs> it, yeah, seriously, that, that old <laughs> meme saying, um, I think just increasing general awareness and it would go a lot further, I think, in uh, Guild Wars 2 because they're going to be there's going to be a lot less skills and you're going to actually be able to measure and tell what's more effective in your group setup and, and yeah when i was talking about this with some friends um the one thing i mostly came down to was i wouldn't mind either way if they went either way with damage meters cuz they get both sides but if we could at least have more obvious um visual cues and well let me put it like this 
in other MMOs that I've played, it's so easy to be a hero. Like some guy's about to die and you throw, uh, saying, wow, you throw blessing of protection on the healer and he ends up living through something. This big, ugly icon appears above the guy's head. Well, maybe a big, uh, ugly icon, but everyone knows who saved that. And I would like to have visual cues that tell us, you know, there's a bunch of wings on my back. I'm not going to die, obviously, now because the healer has done something to protect me. Things that just make us more aware of what is happening while we fight. In Guild Wars Classic, you did have, like, Prot Spirit. That was, like, the only one I could think of where it was obvious that you had been tagged with something useful, you know. Hmm. I um, think they're actually planning on that in Guild Wars 2. Awesome. Because um, they've, they've said more than once, I remember, that they've really tried to make the skill effects more visual and they used the Phoenix skill as an example where they released that video and within a couple days almost everybody not almost everybody but a bunch of people had figured out that the the Phoenix you release the Phoenix towards your target hits anything in its path and then it comes back to you still hitting anything in its path and it heals you upon impact mm -hmm. and people were able to figure that out just by looking at the skill animations I think it just as MMOs grow, have grown in general, it's become a lot easier to provide those effects through animations, like you all said. And I think they've already proved it in a lot of their um, videos they've shown off of the skills. Is so much of it is just going to be completely visual. And you know why can't they do uh, status effects to be just as visual as like the more attack-based skills? Um, one of them I'm playing right now, Champions Online, does a great job of doing that. And, uh, and the way they do the damage meters and the effects and everything is it's all fully customizable, which I would love to see. Because some people, um, you know, they love to have more, the, more of the information, while some people like more of the visceral experience so that they can decide what they want to turn on, turn off, and then they, they, they can actually move everything around wherever they want it to be. So I think a lot of that is just going to be based on the customization options that are provided. As a new player to Guild Wars... Oh, Togo, I just want to get through this already! Shut up! We've got Togo Soapbox here. The question is, I'm level 20, and I haven't upgraded my gear since Consulate Docks. What the fuck? <laughs> and this is something that I get from people a lot, is like, They'll finally get that max armor, you know, the, the maximum effectiveness. And they're like, well, I see all these other people in elite armor. I'm obviously not capped out in how strong my armor can be. Yeah, you are. <laughs> it's all, they, they it's all about the look. Yeah, these people, they want, they want something to feel inclined toward. What is it that I'm working for? In other MMOs, it's your gear. Where gear, Guild Wars, I would say more than anything, it's the skills. That's the mm -hmm. reason you try and press forward. It, it, it gives you the armor immediately so you can at least try and have one build that works good. I think one of the problems people might be having is that you can have, you know, 30 skills or all of your elite skills unlocked, but there's no way to show that off. Whereas if you've got the max level armor, you can strut around town and people can take one look at you and go, oh man, he's been, <laughs> he's been around. Yeah, yeah. But yes, that, that is the tip for the newbies is armor is very, I don't want to say boring in this game. It's not... But it's easy to get to the max. It's easy to, you know, get the uber stuff. It's a matter of learning to actually use specific builds and all that. But that's where that's where the elitist really comes in. And it sounds real Nirvana-ish, you know, like that, that's how it should be. I mean, not to some people though, because the way MMOs often work is they they get people hooked on trying to reach the ultimate. So it's a real alien concept to be like, wait a second, I'm not even done with this campaign, and I've already got the best stuff there is. 
Yeah, I still actually still use my armor from Prophecies. It's he, the way I have my guy look. My warrior is he's very gladiator looking. Um, very like kind of buff looking, and I don't think any other armor, even like the really cool stuff, really shows that off. Like I, I want it to. So that just goes to yeah. show you is that as many expansions as they have released, is that you can still use armor from Prophecies and have it be effective. Mm-hmm. Well, I use the star tattoo pattern armor on my monk for the longest time and i think i don't remember when it when they released it but it was somewhere between when i last played and when i started playing again um i finally picked up the the labyrinthine design the elite tattoo armor when i first played all they had was the dragon armor for the elite and i really didn't like they didn't like the look of it but now they released the other one and i finally got around to getting it but i think the star pattern might still be my favorite Here's a pro tip, so you can be rather pro. Alright, newbies, so, you're out of the way, pro tips. For pro tips, we're talking about text mod and KS mod. Two little, I don't want to call them add-ons, because a lot of the games have those. But uh, what are those two? Text mod allows you to change the textures on things, including the interface, so you can get download some packs to skin the interface. I've also seen people release, um, like, packs for different shields reskinning weapons. I've also seen it used as a way to aid in getting your cartographer title by changing the map of the overlay map. It would highlight the areas you haven't explored in red so you'd know where to go. If you've just got that 1% of all of Tyria left, you don't have to pull your hair out trying to figure out where you haven't been. Yeah, yeah. so TextMod doesn't really change the function of your UI or anything like that. Oh. Just changes the aesthetics of it, and there are some really beautiful ones out there. Have you guys ever used KS mod? No, I haven't. I actually had to search up for it before the show. Um, <laughs> yes, you yeah. did. Yeah, it was actually. It's actually kind of cool. Um, it's a mod, obviously. It's been around for a while. It allows you to effectively launch multiple Guild Wars clients if you have multiple accounts and you want to just use them all on one computer. Well, Tech KS mod lets you do this. Um, it also has a few. Um, extra functions that let you improve the quality and the performance and the graphics and the textures of the game, uh, so long as you know you have the you have the computer and the memory to handle it, right? Mm-hmm. And I believe there's a few other things, but I can't really. Oh yes, yes, yes. They have an Unreal Tournament uh, feature <laughs> to it. So whenever you kill something within, and then you kill another thing in t- within 10 seconds, it'll shout out stuff on your screen like headshot, double kill. Holy sh... Yeah, and that's actually turned off by default. I, I don't yeah. know if it was originally that way, but I'm sure... <laughs> that's really worked. annoying. Yeah. I actually run from KS Mod because I love the fact that when I'm standing in an outpost, everybody's gear looks nice, crisp, and clean. Call me a dork, but I, I like that. I like everything that's around me to be very nice, you know? So I, I, don't, I can't say I ever ran multiple versions of the client for any reason. I don't have a reason to do that. Um, but yeah, I actually, before I even started it up, I looked in the text file to see if he had that turned off, because I did not want Unreal sounds. But they love you. Yeah. God luck. <laughs> I used to play that game all the time. Oh yeah, so did I. I didn't. I actually did, I did maps and mods for Unreal Engine games a lot too. That was a load of fun, but that's probably another story entirely. Um, I will have links to these things in the show notes. I will also have a link in the show notes to the interview that John had with Joe Joe Knight. I always want to call him Joe Hostel, and from what I can tell, he doesn't give a crap what we call him. <laughs> yeah, it's, he's, he's just like whatever, I guess, just different people. Like Johnny V, I go by Johnny V in certain groups. 
my family calls me by my first and middle name, so it's just, it's, you know, it's whatever. It confused the crap out of me as I'm trying to talk to you because I was, I started instant messaging this guy on my forums who goes by Johnny10. Because in my head, I saw <laughs> Johnny Roman numeral, and then on the forums, there's Johnny uh, 10. Yeah, so that's the same guy, shit. Actually, uh, a friend of mine called me Johnny 5. Oh, really? Short circuit, so. I think I'm going to start see... calling you that. That way, we have Johnny 5 and Johnny 10 in the Guild Wars community. <laughs> <laughs> that might not make you feel so good, because you're like, so I'm half the Johnny he is? I'm half the Johnny he is. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah Johnny was, 10, got... he's with, Guild, he's with uh, Guild Mag, one of the editors, I think. I don't remember. Relics of War is still compiling that Guild Wars community list. So if you have a Guild Wars site, blog, or resource of any sort, send me an email at relicsofwarorr at gmail.com. I will put that up on the site and you'll be part, you'll be part of the, the family. Uh, we also got some feedback. In email, we got feedback from Hunter with the Hunter's Insight blog. Let me find the text that he sent us. This is great. Okay. He said, Dear greatest podcast ever. I, you said it wrong. Evar. Yeah, Evar. <laughs> now, knowing Hunter, this is this is most likely a satirical jab. But he said, first, I'd like to say that condensing a question into a soundbite for a podcast is pretty difficult. My question is, what profession do you think is next? I've outlined various reasons on my blog for either the Mesmer or Assassin being next, with me leaning toward the Assassin. Some cat-type people think there may be a pattern, scholar, then soldier, then adventurer. But seeing as no pattern has emerged yet, I'm not going to go by that. What do you guys He's think? totally talking about me. Oh, I think cat people. Okay. Yeah, I think there's going to be a, um, we're going to see another scholar profession. You, you've read his blog about this, right? And I'll put that in the show notes, too. I'm skimming Maybe. it right now. He, he actually makes some very compelling points in favor of the assassin being next. But the Mesmer kind of fits into a lot of those arguments also. See, it I'm looks of, like there's an assassin kind of character. I'm of the the opinion that the Mesmer might actually be an adventurer class. Oh. Yeah, I mean, with how, with how great Illusionary Weapon has been. But <laughs> I've been very, very wrong before, so... What were the three uh, categories that said they're dividing it between? It's Scholar, Adventurer, and Soldier. Okay, yeah, alright. I think Soldier's right. I've had to ask for mm-hmm. confirmation on that before. Such a nub. You're nope. right. I don't remember. What's the difference between all the this talk about the scholar, soldier, and the adventurer? Armor class. Armor class. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm guessing soldier is big is the heavy hitter. Adventurer is somewhere in between, and the scholar is like the low armor kind of person. Yeah, it's typically like casters. Okay. Cloth, leather, and plate. I think. Basically, yeah. I like the yeah. fact that they're not limiting it to specific materials, though, in the way they name it. Yeah, me yeah. too. Well, in terms of what class will be revealed next, in my humble opinion, I don't care because they're going to be revealing all of them before Guild Wars 2 is released and we're all going to be drooling over them anyway. My opinion is they've already gotten the Ranger out of the way, so I'll love whatever's next. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea what's next. So the magic's gone. For now, though, I am probably going to side with uh, Hunter just because he made such a compelling argument. But And if, if it ends up being wrong, I can blame him. (laughs) <laughs> as far as other feedback we got um itunes comments we invited those if you send us itunes comments we will read them on the show uh we'll think about it if you don't give us five stars but the reviews we got this week were from texas chicken everybody loves a texas chicken i'll read this in his, i'll read <laughs> he does that too over vent he'll just be like i don't know my mesmer look like a chicken <laughs> but what he wrote was and i'll read this in his uh, uh what does he go by sling blade sling blade voice 
everyone thinks I can't do this. Everyone that makes this Guild Wars podcast are amazing. The segments are great. You get a ton of info in a single hour, and you never want it to end. The only bad thing about this podcast is that there aren't more episodes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> no more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> make me nervous. <laughs> like them French fried taters. And he says, everyone, you aren't a true Guild Wars gamer if you don't listen to this, so do it or forever be a noob. That's awesome. Thank you, everyone, that makes this podcast for making my gaming that much better, entertaining, and wonderful. We love you, Texas Chicken. And then we got another comment from Riot Proof, and he named it, This podcast is overpowered. I was hoping he'd work something about power levels being over 9,000 there, too. If only. He says, This podcast has great sound and is genuinely funny while giving you deeper information and opinions than some. It has a nice cast of rotating hosts and with the leader always there. He's entertaining and manages to keep the podcast moving forward and still allow room for tangents and asides, which is awesome. Nice job. So I'm fine by th- I'm fine with that. That's good. You did a good jerb. <laughs> Took a jerb. And if you want to leave us comments on iTunes, you just load up our you look for our podcast, Relics of War, on the iTunes store, and you can just leave a comment there. Other ways to contact us are you can call us. We want the calls too because uh, Google Voice who is serving our uh, phone line, I guess, when it sends you a voicemail, it transcribes it. And it sucks so bad at transcribing that it comes up with the funniest off-the-wall crap, no matter how clear you try to speak. So please send us your calls. We can make so much fun out of this. It's seven. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're going to be jabbing you for it. But it's 708-202-9262. Again, 708-92... What? 708-202-9262. We're also That's on Twitter edited. and Facebook at Relics of War. Oh, yeah, this will all be made to sound so smooth after edits. Oh, yeah. And John's going to be like, wow, so this whole time he hasn't been that smooth? What a nimrod. <laughs> <laughs> and come to our forums, too. They're lots of fun. I will yeah. troll you. You can Next join the great kidding. pie versus cake debate. Yes, I get very adamant about that. People find it very odd how uh, staunch I am about pastries. But cake, you guys. FTW. Oh, God, no, no. Okay. Get the hell out of this podcast. <laughs> I'm kidding. Cake is like a glorified bread. I mean, what's it really got to it? Air and sugar? And it even it even deceives you at how much is there. It's like, hey, look how big I am. Actually, though, half of this is comprised of holes. <laughs> Cheap. Although I do maintain that cheesecake, even though I think it's a pie, for anyone that does consider it a cake, that is a formidable opponent. <laughs> I could go on about this forever, but I think I should show. Yeah, you could. You should make another <laughs> podcast for pie, you know, with you know, oh. this much, with this much of a passion for it, you know, man. Maybe John and I will start our own little podcast. It's just cake versus pie. Pie versus cake. The podcast. Yeah, and we'll start it off, and I'll just be like, "What the hell's cake got going for it? You can flip it upside down and pound it. That's about it." All I know is I prefer air, airy and fluffy to wet and messy. <laughs> well, uh, that's okay. That could be bad. <laughs> that's good. <could> be... <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I guess if uh, if that's all we've got to talk about, then... Wheel of Morality. Turn, turn, turn. Tell us a lesson that we should learn. Ryan. I'm pulling this over from the Face Roll Show, my old podcast, so if anyone's heard it, sorry. But... Lazy. If you <laughs> you put a battery, <laughs> you put a battery with a salt lick, you get charged with a salted battery. <laughs> that's kind of a the Mitch Hedberg variety right there. You guys know who Mitch Hedberg is? Mm-mm. Isn't that the yep. guy who says, uh, I hate purple people, unless they're yes. choking, and help yes. them. Oh my god, I love that guy. I wish he didn't die so suddenly. 
Uh, no kidding. It, one of his best jokes that ended up being exactly a play on how he died was, I used to do drugs. I still do, but I used to too. <laughs> so, I'm Ryan. I'm Tiger. I'm Charles. And he's Johnny. <laughs> Johnny there, B, John? Johnny 5. Half the Johnny. Half the Johnny of Johnny 10. Speaking of hilarious dialogue in Guild Wars, I love partying with Lucas. That guy says so many things like, poorly done, watch how a pro does it, or whatever it is that he says. Or he's like, it's an honor fighting by my side. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that may be it, is just what George Lucas has done with his own franchise. Has yeah, I mean, it's like, dude, is that jowl cheese moving up into your brain? <laughs> He's like, oh no, I just killed a Jedi. Then it says, and he says, join me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I love Samuel L. Jackson, his inclusion in that movie just was a complete distraction because he's Samuel L. It was L. just Jackson. a cameo, really. I really wanted him to at some point go, hold on to your butts. <laughs> <laughs> this is between a Norn and a female character, by the way. So your character has to be female in order to access this dialogue. Otherwise, it's different. It is Norn custom that marriage can only be- happen between those of equal reputation. All your hard work has paid off. Now we can be wed, raise a dozen half-Norn children, and live in the mountains. I have a strong cottage in the hills. Actually, it isn't much of a cottage. More of a cave, but it's a good cave. And a good cave in need of dire cleaning. Haha, <laughs> you're not afraid of spiders, are you? Dire spiders. <laughs> oh, where's the bar brawl? I want to punch that Norn in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Can't wait for Barbara. <laughs> oh yeah, that's gonna be awesome. I'll just spend hours getting drunk in game and beating people up. <laughs> you know what would be really funny is if there was like Staying drunk guild, in real life. <laughs> if there was a guild of dudes that made female characters and just brought them into the kitchen of the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had this to. Do is where that. you belong. <laughs> oh, I am I a feminist worst this. nightmare because I find that hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love it because you know at this point those kind of jokes. It's like everyone knows that you're just trying to be sexist, but you don't really mean it. Yeah, you know? exactly. I think anybody that can't take that in good humor, at first at least, is just being too sensitive. In fact, that's probably why I'm going to put it in the show anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the feminist movement will like come up to your door and kill you, you know? It's obvious. Everyone's going to be like, <laughs> he, was, he was killed by Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> the certain warrior i could just picture him on top of a golem and he's shouting out to, with his hand pointed out to the out to the sky adventure <laughs> <laughs> when they were talking about sharks with the ranger i got an image of and i well i i gotta draw this as a comic because it, i just think it's hilarious in my head but there's a there's a little caricature of a developer standing in the foreground and then the and he's saying it's not likely you will see land sharks anytime soon and then in the background there's an Asuran uh, ranger that says like hell and he's chucking a shark at the developer <laughs> <laughs> for some reason it reminds me of that 80s kids TV show like power sharks or something like that oh I remember those yeah it's like anthropomorphic sharks that like tunnel underground oh that was so freaking dumb <laughs> I know I know if there's a bunch of shark pets and anybody has like a water walking ability, I wonder if you could technically jump a shark. Hmm. 
Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, hey, dude, glad you're here. But instead of saying that, I just go, awesome, you have good audio. <laughs> Sweet. That's Ryan for you. <laughs> <laughs>